I'm Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year is 1973. The artist Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks, the album, the incomplete works of Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks. And my guest this week is Phil Rosenthal. Thank you so much for doing the show. It's very nice to be here. (laughs) Um, So before, I always ask people why they picked the album, but before we get to that, I I never ask anybody this, but I'm very curious. Uh, Do you remember the first joke you ever wrote? Oh, goodness. Like consciously wrote, maybe not even told your parents. Wow. I honestly don't. I remember Mm -hmm. in second grade, I I drew something. I drew a cartoon of Ralph and Norton Uh because I loved their, I loved the Honeymooners. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wrote like a a bubble, what they were saying to each other. Uh Uh-huh. And... Ralph says, are you, are you looking for a fat lip? And, uh-huh. and I had Norton saying, if I was looking for a fat anything, I'd know where to find it. <laughs> and I don't even know if that was from, from the, the regular Honeymooners. <laughs> it mi- I'm guessing I didn't write it. I'm guessing mm-hmm. that it was maybe from, you know, the Honeymooners started as sketches on the Jackie Gleason right, show. Right, yeah. And then that one year they just took and made the sitcom i think in a, in a break between the two seasons okay. okay they did the famous 39 mm-hmm. and the lost episodes that we know mm-hmm. what they call the lost episodes that look terrible on kinescope uh-huh. those are the sketches from the jackie gleason that show. i did not know i did not know that was the chronology of it that's interesting yes. so so i okay. think that that line must have come from the sketches because i don't remember it from the, from the original actual. 39 maybe okay. your listeners can correct me. But. Maybe we'll see. They they like the internet likes to do <laughs> to do that. Uh, do you remember the first time you got a, a a joke, like in print or published or like where people could see it? <laughs> I'm asking the real toughies today. Apparently they are. You're asking like uh, you're asking someone to go back a ways. A little bit. I will never repeat the, the first joke I ever wrote. I'm saving it for if I ever write a book based on this podcast because it's terrible. Well, I remember it. You do. Mm-hmm. But it's horrible. So oh, yeah. I, feel, well, I have a feeling yours will be better. I don't know if it's better. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the first time. I mean, I certainly remember writing for TV mm-hmm. and having it out there. Yeah. And that was for something terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, we did the Robert Mitchum sitcom. Oh, my. I did not know this was a thing. That was I, a, I missed that in my I came, research. That was 30 years ago mm-hmm. when I first got to town here mm-hmm. in Hollywood. And I, I was a baby writer. I had a partner at the time. Okay. And we wrote on that show. And, you know, our, the first episode of TV that we ever wrote, mm-hmm. we were in heaven. We of couldn't course. believe that we were writing something that was actually being filmed. Of course. All the while knowing it was terrible. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> so excited and laughing because it was our stuff. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get lamer than that. Mm-hmm. Laughing at your own stuff. Of course. But the, the the thing that really stands out as the first time you something big mm-hmm. happened, I'm going to say two things. One was I got to write for the president of the United States. I got yeah. to write when that meant something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was mm-hmm. for President Clinton, and he he had this like a humor season in Washington. Mm-hmm. I know it's year-round now, but sure. then yeah. it was April, the gridiron dinner, the mm-hmm. radio and TV dinner, the White House correspondence dinner. Yeah. And I remember writing a joke for him and Holy him, cow. the president, saying that joke. Yeah. That's Did he nail it? Did he nail it? He had to have. He was really good. Yeah, of course he was. And then Obama was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was huge. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was when after we did Raymond uh, for several years, Saturday Night Live called and mm-hmm. said they wanted Ray to host. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a sketch mm-hmm. that got on. Holy crap. Was it still big? Like, even though you've got the most successful sitcom on television, you're like, I'm still writing for SNL. Yes, because I mean, SNL predates Raymond. Of course. Of course. I'm watching I'm watching SNL's premiere at 15 years old, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And thinking it's the funniest thing and, and rarely missing a Saturday. Yeah. Like, really watching that all that the important. time. Really important. And, you know, you can't believe you're now a part of that legacy. Of course. In that tiny way. Yeah. You're in there. Yeah. And so that was big. That's amazing. Do you... Okay, now this is a weird question, and it's obviously leading somewhere, but were you the only Phil Rosenthal in your town? 
Yes, but I have, a, I have a reason to ask. But right now, I'm not the only. You're not. Okay. No, there's a folk singer. Yes, in I New know England, of him. Mm-hmm. and then there's a famous sports columnist from Chicago. Okay. Okay, and I yes. met him. He actually called me and said, we should meet. Uh-huh. And I thought, wow, that's a slow news day at the paper. <laughs> and, but we met, and I remember sitting there waiting for him to come in the restaurant and thinking, I hope I'm the cute one. <laughs> <laughs> so I, here's, here's why I ask if you remember your first joke. Yes. So I, don't, I never do this, so I don't know what, why I got a what while to do this today. Yes. No idea. But I decided to do a little research, and I found something in an old newspaper archive. Can I read something to you? You tell me if this is you or not. Oh, boy. It's from 1974. Dear Santa, I would like a baby brother for Christmas. Great. My mother says this is not possible. Love, Phil Rosenthal. News yes. Day. Okay. That is great that you found that. I can't believe that you found that. Mm-hmm. My friend Stephen Goldenberg mm-hmm. wrote that <laughs> as me to, to, make, to, to get at me like a practical joke. <laughs> So you're 14, your other yes. friend, who I'm assuming is around the same yes. age, does this just to F with you. And then I wrote a letter to Santa you did. in the local paper <laughs> as him. Dear Santa, would you tell Linda Greenberg to please speak to me? So outing his love for this girl, <laughs> oh right? Oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, you know, taking it up a notch, like, oh, you're going to go after my mother? <laughs> I'm going after you and your sweetheart. See, this is what blew my mind. I'm like, if he actually wrote this, his first joke that ever got published yeah. is still also about his mother. But I love that, that your friend establishes a nice little pattern well, we, for you. It's funny that, that you mentioned this because he and I actually did, like, r- for fun, mm-hmm. Uh, we were both nerds, and I think you can relate to this. With the, your, you, you mentioned your friend in, in who lives in Idaho. Mm-hmm. You guys upstate New York doing these kind of yeah. sketches and stuff. We did this on an old Panasonic tape recorder, yeah. in the style of Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner. Oh, good. We wanted to do sketches like that. Of course, we you just did. loved it so much. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know we're getting to this, but yeah. the, these records were a gigantic influence on my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, listening to them now again in in getting ready for seeing you today. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I just, I haven't heard them in a very long time. I was going to ask, I was wondering. A very a- long time. And yet, the moment you know what it's like to revisit something that you knew very, very well. For sure. It all comes back. Mm-hmm. And yet, now that I'm way older... I'm getting things that I could never have gotten. Of course, as a as a as a you know slight teenager. <laughs> but man, well, so I'm already thanking you for this experience because it was so great to revisit. I'm glad those that, albums. It's fun to do. I mean, that's why. Yeah. I mean, I uh, one of the I started this podcast again. I'm so sorry, audience, because I've told this story a thousand times. But I started the podcast because I made my best friend over two tapes. One was a best of Cheech and Chong, and the other one Hilarious. was a Weird Al album. And like Weird Al is like our personal god because like he made our friendship happen. You know, oh. it's like this one. And I've since been. Did in you a get to meet him? I have met him oh. twice, and I was in one of his music videos. So I mean, that's pretty oh. cool, right. He won't do this podcast, but he is Why? still very kind. Why wouldn't he? We can talk about it off the air because I don't think it's him that doesn't want to do the podcast. Let's necessarily. Find him. Let's talk. To him. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, oh, he's a giant in the in the he's, business, and he's and the he's the nicest, nicest man. man. Right. One hundred percent. So you got to get to him. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I know. I should have just asked him when I tapped. I did tap him on the shoulder once and said, hey, Al, double. And he said, oh, thanks so much. Like the nicest. I assaulted the man by tapping him on the shoulder. Yes, and he's still course. so nice. Well, you know, Too Lin-Manuel nice. says he owes everything to him. Right. I know. And I love that. I love that this man, this friggin' genius grant winning. Yes. Like, uh, it just, uh, whatever. We've got things in common. Yes. Um, that's what's important. Me and Lin-Manuel, we're basically the same person. Right. Um, so... Did you have this box set growing up is the question, or is this? did you pick the box set because you'd heard them all separately? My friend Mitch Barber, I met him in junior high, mm-hmm. and his father was hilarious. He was like the, the only, the, the real comedian in my parents' friends. My father was very funny in a, in a, in a very old-school Jewish uh, Catskills way. Sure. But Lenny Barber, you know, I thought was relevantly fun okay like could make a a kid laugh and really cared about making a kid laugh okay and so i loved him and i loved mitch i loved the whole family and and they had this record Mm -hmm. and i never heard of these guys really okay around the same time that this uh two thousand year old man came out Mm -hmm. uh the box set i think they had done it 
1960, mm-hmm. I want to say. Originally, it was 60. I think they did, let me look, it was 60, 61, and 62 or something. Right. They were right after the other, yeah. But I didn't know them. Obviously, I was mm-hmm. born in 1960. Yeah, but. I have since come to know both men, mm-hmm. Carl, much better. Mm-hmm. But they were, the evolution of, of the sketch was they did, it, they did it at parties. Right. And they were both writers on your show of shows, mm-hmm. which I also saw that same year, 73. Okay. Ten from your show of shows, uh-huh. a movie came out. Do you know this movie? No. So it's uh, the producers of your show of shows or the producer, Max Liebman, put together ten sketches, ten of the best sketches mm-hmm. from your show of shows. And... In 1973, this could actually play in movie theaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would go today, just for the record. Right? Yes, that's amazing. Okay. I laughed. I've told this before. I laughed harder than I've ever laughed in my life. I literally fell out of my chair at 13 (laughs) years old in the theater, Mm -hmm. especially at the sketch, which everyone acknowledges is maybe the best sketch of all time. Mm -hmm. This is your story, which is a take on this is your life. Sure. Have you seen it? I don't think I have. All right. Stop listening to this, everybody. Yep. Put it and, on pause. Go, go to YouTube. It. I'm sure it's on there. And look up. This is your story mm-hmm. from your show of shows. Okay. Sid Caesar was a genius. And, you know, it had the greatest writer's room in the history of writer's room. Uh-huh. With, at one point through the Sid Caesar years, including your show of shows and Caesar's Hour, there was Larry Gelbart who went on to write mm-hmm. MASH and Tootsie and... He's one of the most brilliant minds. Uh, Neil Simon, Woody Allen, Carl Reiner, Mel Brooks, they were all there. And Mel Brooks was, of course, the crazy one, Uh uh, the room monkey. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) at parties, he and Carl would do bits. Mm -hmm. And the 2,000-year-old man evolved from being at a party Mm -hmm. and and Carl just turning to him and saying, I'm with the 2,000-year-old man, right? So silly. And then the way they recorded the albums was they invited friends to the recording studio. Really? See, I, that I didn't know. I wasn't sure yeah. if these were live audiences, like like big sellers. I shows. think they became... Eventually, okay. Like in 2000, you can hear the difference between the, two, sure. the original 2,000-year-old man, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a small group mm-hmm. with a... It's almost like a smattering of applause mm-hmm. at the end mm-hmm. to giant laughs mm-hmm. and giant applause. Yes. 2,006-month-year-old man. Right. Right, yeah, which I'm assuming they must have recorded literally six months later. I'm imagining so, but with probably lots of practice in between at sure. parties. Sure, yeah. Uh, what I love about these records, there's other sketches on them. It's not just the 2,000 year old yeah. man. There's really funny stuff. Some of it's dated, of course. So mm-hmm. You can't expect anything topical to to really translate today, but a lot of it is universally funny still, mm-hmm. and a lot of the credit goes to, first of all. Carl Reiner's brilliance as a straight man setting up Mel, mm-hmm. but then Mel's almost musical ability mm-hmm. of rhythm yeah. and timing yeah. and personality. And the premise of these things is so funny that you can mm-hmm. get by without even having great one-liners. Oh, yeah. Someone like Woody Allen relied on the genius of the writing of the one-liner. Right, I'm not right. saying they don't have that. For sure. Mel and Carl. But... But Mel had this force of personality that you laughed at literally everything he said because of the way he said it. He sells several non-jokes on all of these that are just non-jokes. Just hilarious. I was trying. He clearly pulled it out of his ass, but it's so passionate and delightful. It's like that was still the funniest thing I've ever seen. Well, I like that you say delightful because that's not something you think of always Mm -hmm. when you think of them or comedy in general. Right. But there's such a warmth and, and love of doing it mm-hmm. and of getting people to laugh. Yes. And a ch- it's charming. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, zero cursing. Right. Yeah, right. Good Nothing call. dirty. Mm-hmm. They refer to things. For sure. But they certainly have a, a sophisticated, both of them, sophisticated mm-hmm. minds. They're going for something bigger. Mm-hmm. And as Genius says, the premises of the 2,000-year-old band and, and the... The, the wealth of material you can get from that, <laughs> mm-hmm. of a man who's lived for 2,000 years and has seen everything, and the persona is this old Jewish man. It's just <laughs> so funny because it's all about the attitude of the old Jewish man being witness to history yeah. and being involved mm-hmm. with, with uh, historical figures, the great and the near-great. And then another sketch that I listened to just today again after 40 years. Mm-hmm. 
is the two-hour-old baby, <laughs> which is another genius, universal, timeless mm -hmm. premise. Yeah. That's hilarious. It is. It is. We could talk about it in detail, but it's one yeah. of the sadder ones to me. <laughs> it's very sad to me. It is? Yeah, because as a very depressive, anxiety-ridden person, the idea of losing all consciousness that you've just had at the very end is very shocking to me still, even though it's a very funny bit. Yeah. That's how, where my brain goes. Well, I like that. Um, <laughs> but it is a beautiful ending. Yes, it is. And in a world where sketches don't end very well mm -hmm. most of the time, yeah. it's great to see it tied up like they had a forethought of yeah, yeah, where yeah. this would go and how it would end. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pretty much knew where to get out. Yes, right. They also had the benefit of editing these records. True, true. God knows how long the, the real sessions were. I do were. wonder that myself. Right? Because I would imagine at least Mel Brooks is going on oh, yeah. for as long as you'll let him. Yeah, but then he also knew about editing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're seeing a guy who is in the zone. Mm -hmm. the, the, the two of them, Yeah. They are, they are in the zone in a way that most comedians never get to right where literally everything you're hearing is great yeah and 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 inimitable mm -hmm. you know just like like iconic even mm -hmm. certain things that stayed with us and and let you listen to the record over and over yeah you know my favorite comedy albums and i i, I could have picked a dozen sure. from my childhood because that's what i listened to mm -hmm. in fact i preferred it over music in fact i here's what a sicko you're talking to mm -hmm. i would go to sleep to them <laughs> right that makes me very happy yeah yeah i love to hear that uh and I'm talking about the Woody Allen stand-up years, mm -hmm. and, and I know we, we're not allowed to say this now, but <laughs> Bill Cosby, mm -hmm. but but uh, George Carlin, and mm -hmm. and I just I I was in love with the form. Yeah. And yet the the Mel Brooks, Carl Reiner ones were so like, they combined the uh, hipness with my father. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I get that. And it was where I was mm -hmm. as a teenager. And so when you hear him do the different psychiatrists at the convention mm -hmm. or the different directors, different voices at the Cannes Film Festival, mm -hmm. I was, that's what I wanted to do, all the different characters. Yeah. And so I did. I became oh, the good. actor in junior high, high school, college even. Mm -hmm. I became, uh, not to be an actor, a serious actor, uh -huh. but to get laughs on stage without doing stand-up comedy. But by doing characters, uh -huh. that's what I wanted to do. When I started this morning doing a little digging, yeah. I, I know enough about your work, but <laughs> to do a little digging, I'm like, oh, I know this guy as this. Yes. I'm like, and I know you act, and I've seen you act in some very funny things. I'm like, wait, <laughs> did, did, am I not digging back far enough? <laughs> and then I, I do start digging. I'm like, oh, shit, he's been acting forever. You were doing that yeah. exclusively for quite a, a while. But I took a giant break uh -huh. to write TV, Yeah, which was fine sure. because... As an actor, I eat tuna fish for dinner. <laughs> and as a writer mm -hmm. in Hollywood, especially, I ate whatever I wanted. Of course, of course. And I thought, okay, this is who I am now. And I didn't care. Mm -hmm. I was working in the field that I loved. Sure. Yeah. So and I tell every actor yeah. to take a writing class, every mm -hmm. writer to take a directing class. As they're they all should, yeah. they're all branches off the same tree. Mm -hmm. And you, you, if you're in this business, you want to make the tree as strong as possible because you don't know, first of all, what your actual best strength is. Sure. And where your job's coming from. Right. Right. You know, Why not have a, some options? Yes. Somebody could see me and say, look at that. Look at that nose. We need that in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah. no, can, but can you write? Well, it turns out I can. I didn't know I could. Right. But we're writing all the time. And Mel Brooks, the, the, the number one thing he does is write. Yeah. I, it, that's, that's the thing. That's, it, and it's very much... He can just do it faster than most. Of, of course, of course. And there's also very much, let's throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Even sure. I, I, I like when a joke doesn't land on these two. Like, a few of them do. But I'm just, uh, a few of them don't land, I mean. I, I do like when he's just throwing shit out there to see what happens and, like, giggling at himself. Still and funny. it still works. I yeah. don't get that. Yeah, they make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And they kind of make it work. I love when he makes Carl laugh. Those are yep. probably my favorite bits yep. on the whole album because he's a perfect straight man. Yep. Perfect straight man and probably one of the most underrated sitcom actors of all time, actually, too. But we I think they know where, that. I think through practice, trial and error, writing, mm -hmm. remembering what worked in front of test audiences, mm -hmm. they're certainly hitting those points. Yeah. 
because you can tell that that oh that's that's just too good mm -hmm. to have been to have come up with right sure. at the yeah, second yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. the timing is too great and the way it ends is too you know neat mm -hmm. but in a, in a good way i'm not disparaging at all right but then there are those moments that you know he's spitballing for the first time and going off mm -hmm. and they're still amazing do, do you know, and I don't know if you've asked them, I don't know if you've asked them about these bits, I don't know if you meet them, and then it's weird to talk about the thing that you introduced them to you, but were they, did they have any influence outside of just being themselves? Because, I mean, Nichols and May, this is like a weirder, less polished Nichols and May, in, you know, in, in that it's a two-person thing that they clearly worked out, but they didn't work it out on a Broadway stage, they didn't work it out in front of, you know, they didn't get to finalize it on a Broadway stage. They're just doing it in front of friends. I feel like they were doing this for fun. Yeah. And that's just it. Just exclusively. Yeah. And that's it. It wasn't career-based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They both had other careers. Of course, yeah. They both had giant careers. Mm -hmm. This was for fun. Mm -hmm. And we're very lucky it was recorded. Yeah, yeah. Do you consider, do you have a... What else is like that? No, there's uh, very little. It's singular, little. right? There's I no, think so. I can't think of any... Because I'm glad we're talking about this because mm -hmm. it's making me realize that they... They did this as a lark right. at parties. Mm -hmm. And somebody said you should record this, mm -hmm. right? And they did. It might have been it might have been Steve Allen. Really? Makes sense. He was a kind of a genius. So uh, yeah. uh and so maybe there's a lesson in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same story as Bob Newhart. I mean, he had the same, and he'd never performed before. The, the, the stuff you hear on the button-down mind is all him on stage for the first time. That blows my mind. I don't understand Is it the that. first time? Maybe That's the second? That's what everybody says. Maybe the second. But yeah, still but it's still doesn't super matter. early. Like he went, no, I know what it was. He uh -huh. went up once. Yes. They said, you're amazing. We're going to record you. Mm -hmm. And the, that okay. second time that was That makes the, sense. Yeah. But still, he's too good for being, like, I hate him. <laughs> I don't yes, hate he him. Yes, you know, so. he worked in business. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Mm -hmm. But still, he was doing it. To make a living as a stand-up comedian. Mm -hmm. These guys Still, had yeah. nothing to prove. Mm -hmm. They were giants in television mm -hmm. and soon-to-be movies mm -hmm. and theater and everything else. And this was just two geniuses having fun. Mm -hmm. I think, I think you know, maybe we should pursue the things that we love. Yeah. And that's where our maybe our best work comes from. Yeah. I can tell you that what I do now, mm -hmm. this travel show, is me having fun. Mm -hmm. It's not what I'm known for. Right. I want to be known for it now yeah, that yeah, I yeah. do it. Of course, of course. But it started from being frustrated with the other business. Yeah. And saying, what? well, what do I really... If, I, if you're going to bang your head against the wall, mm -hmm. why not pick the wall you really, really love? For sure, for sure. So that's why that's why I'm doing this. So even that influence mm -hmm. is has been made on me. That's interesting. Yeah. Because I, I will admit, there's a, I, I try not to be cynical, but the, my assumption with travel shows is always, well, I, you know, free food and travel is nice. So that's always the assumption. But I do love that it was a genuine passion for you. And so that you, I mean, it's clear. I, I really love the show. Thank like, you. it's something that I find. I had to have a reason for it to exist. Right. Other than me eating. Right, exactly. Yeah. Because that would, I think, get boring. So I think mm -hmm. if you've seen the show, you get it that I'm trying to get you to travel. Mm -hmm. And I honestly believe that the world would be better if we all could experience a little bit of other people's experience. For sure. So there's a point to it. There has to be in everything we do, mm -hmm. in everything in entertainment that we that we write, mm -hmm. there has to be a point to it. And there's a point to Mel and Carl. Mm -hmm. This look at history and the understanding of history, these are not stupid guys right. doing it. Right. They have a take on something that if you're uneducated, you're not laughing. Right. Right. I, I very much like also you, you reminded me. I One of my favorite things about the 2,000-year-old man is that he's forgotten Hebrew. I don't know why that's so funny to me, but I just so love that great. he's, I, I don't speak Because Hebrew. Mel doesn't. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. And when he tested him on it, mm -hmm. he has that excuse. So perfect. Yeah. I haven't needed it for 2,000 years. <laughs> Do you... Okay, so so I, just for those who don't know, this is this consists of three different albums. Uh, it's 2,000 years, then 2,001 years, and then Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks at the Cannes Film Festival. And then there was an additional album, 2013. Yes, which I, is also a very good album. It right. also holds up. And so um, you had to buy that too. Right. Of course. Of course. Then they did one in the year 2000 also. That's right. Uh, but it was only on CD, so I can't talk about it on here. But I would like to do... I, I have this dream. Mm -hmm. I'd like to do a documentary about the two of them. Yeah. Do you know that Mel... 
goes over. They're both widowers. Mm -hmm. They're in their 90s. Right. Carla's about four years older. He's 96. Mm -hmm. Mel comes over to Carl's house every night. Right. Maybe if you saw the comedians of Carl's yes. getting coffee, they, they showed a little bit of their routine. Mm -hmm. I but, was just sitting there being jealous of Jerry Seinfeld the whole yes, time. So I couldn't I, me too. see I've rage. thought, you know, ha having gone over there mm -hmm. and seen a little bit of the interaction... That this is a documentary. This is, yeah. you start with them, with Mel. Mm -hmm. They sit with TV trays in two chairs like this. And they're looking at Carl's big screen TV. Mm -hmm. And the lady come, you know, brings them dinner. Sure. And then uh, Mel makes his way over to the couch. And Carl stays in the, in the easy chair. And they watch movies. And I, I asked Carl, what kind of movies do you watch? And he said, we look for movies that have the line, secure the perimeter in them. <laughs> And invariably, what happens is Mel falls asleep during the movie uh -huh. on the couch, and Carl makes his way upstairs to bed. That's the most adorable thing. And then in the morning, Mel isn't there. Mm. He, he's gotten up and, and left, and the next night, it's the same thing. And it's adorable, and yeah. I thought, what a great starting point for a movie. Mm -hmm. And then as maybe they do drift off to sleep, mm -hmm. you take their careers both separately and together mm -hmm. and the documentary is about how these two giants influenced comedy for the rest of time yeah while preparing one last 2000 year old man oh, that would be so good I... come on if you're listening people <laughs> let's give me the money to make this movie yeah that sounds good let's do this movie I... actually i don't need your money <laughs> I need you to convince Mel that this is worth doing, and I'm the guy to do it. I I have somebody I can't. He'll get so pissed at me if I even mention too much of it. He desperately wants to record this same one more two thousand year old man, but in a very specific way. I guess I'll tell you off, Mike. It's very interesting and fascinating. I would love to see this very thing happen. Well, this could be part of the movie. Yeah, I agree. All right, see, we're joining forces. Yeah, this is very good. I'm I'm a kingmaker. What can I do? <laughs> um, do you have a favorite of these three discs, though? I do. You do you care, or is it just like it's all the same for me? Or I actually, I you. It's it's very important that people get all three. Mm -hmm. uh, is it is it downloadable? Yeah, I think that's a good question because I I tend to rip my own. I'm trying to right. remember. I think so. Well, Ooh, listen, I don't you kids out, out there, you have the vinyl now. You can mm -hmm. probably find this somewhere. Yeah, for nothing. Yeah. So get it mm -hmm. and listen in order because you hear the evolution of the character. Yes. So I can't say one's better than the other. Okay. It is a charge to hear the first one. Yeah. Then it's a charge to hear how six months later, these are now friggin' superstars. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I believe the third disc doesn't... Does it have the 2000 It does. Man yeah, it, it has... Uh, it's actually the third track on the whole album. Though. Got it. So, yeah. Uh, I didn't get to listen that far today. Okay. I listened to the Cannes Film Festival. That was really funny. Yes. Adolf Hartler. Yeah, I think they they wanted to <laughs> shake it up a little. Mercurio, Mercurochrome. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they're, they're... All I can say is they're in the zone. You've never heard anything like it. You've never heard seemingly spontaneous improvisation mm -hmm. be so good right do you i do need to know if the tapes still exist that you did as a child and if they exist i gotta find do you it. need them digitized and then yeah, can like, we put them on this podcast you wouldn't like them i don't care <laughs> you, you don't understand i think I, I, i'm 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 an archivist at, at heart so that's one of the one of the things we did as, mm -hmm. as teenagers and and th these are 13 14 years old i'm talking about when you have no idea what's proper what's right what's wrong sure was to make fun of our neighbors mm -hmm. in the most you know heartless i have video way. of we us doing the same thing we had no compunction about really make and and we also made phony phone calls because we'd heard about those things and practical jokes and all this stuff and mm -hmm. stuff that i frankly i would be mortified if my kids did yeah, yeah. you know yeah and and you develop empathy later mm -hmm. i certainly didn't have much then <laughs> Because I was watching people like like Mel and Carl. Mel seems to be making fun of people in sure. in many of these sketches, mm -hmm. many of which are politically incorrect today. Of course, yeah. You can't do, you know, these accents of all the different sure uh, Germans are still on the board. But uh, though, yeah, just they, so everybody knows that you're still will, allowed to listen. Do that. that you can't take away a guys' <laughs> bread and butter. But there's other ethnicities I think that that mm -hmm. would. 
And yet, there's an equality in that he's making fun of everyone. Sure. A Texan, a Jew, a German, an right. Indian, right? Yeah. He's an Italian, a Greek. He's yes. Do, he's doing all the voices, and that's pretty much what Sid Caesar did. Yes. And in more innocent times, I'm not saying right or wrong. No, no. I'm understand. saying that no one really meant any harm whatsoever. Sure. Which might have been actually the most harmful thing. Right. Is that these things were prevalent, and if you... We never thought for a second, well, wait a minute. What if you were an Indian person? Mm -hmm. How would you feel being made fun of in the same way all the time? Right. And this is something that persists to this day. Yes. There's still a battle mm -hmm. over it. Yeah. Uh, listen, it's all part of evolution. It's all part of getting awoke. Sure. But in the early 70s, uh, we weren't as woke. That's fine. I mean, I say that's fine, but it's again... Like yeah, I don't Better know. Better to, to have become woke, though. Isn't oh, well, it? yes, absolutely. I mean, yes. here's the thing: that is a constant position of this show, yes. and I normally I feel like I have to tiptoe around that and yeah. walk on eggshells because I don't know if my guest is going to be a little less so. Because you never know. I, I have plenty of people I respect who are just like, no, I want to say what I want, whatever I want, with impunity. And it's like, okay. You have to under <laughs> the audience has to understand the context and the times. Yes. For sure, that's important. That's, that's just as important as understanding, standing, you know, the yes. one, two, three of the joke. That's that's right. fine. I, I I I agree. Do you have a favorite bit on any of these? Oh God, I know it's impossible. There's I mean, so, you can just say the so two thousand year old man. Although the Peruvian, here's the thing. Yeah. Anything that makes fun of a Nazi is always really going to be he and he. Like I'm weaned on that because my parents let me watch enough Mel Brooks. Yes. Like, and it just becomes my favorite thing. So I guess that I guess that might be why that's my favorite. I love when he makes fun of Nazis. It's just Hilarious. always funny. <laughs> why would it not be? Did Hitler have any faults? He asked him. <laughs> yeah, losing the war was one. <laughs> he says, <laughs> so good. Ah, it's brilliant. It, it is brilliant. And I and I got to I I did not think I'd be able to burn through all three of these in a day because I tend I try to listen to these the same day we record they were them. Shorter so then. they're fresh. Yes, they were like a half hour. That's also the bonus. Yeah, they they're not long albums. And they're quick. They know when to get in and get out, yeah. uh, which is weird because some of them are nine minutes but don't feel like a nine-minute sketch, which is weird they're to me. They're dense. There's a lot of old – and I've, I've since learned after trying to listen to a comedy album a day last year and failing about a third of the way through, realizing most comedy albums are shit. And so you have to kind of realize that there's a reason these still survive because they're You're that right. good. You're right. You know, and yeah. it's uh, – we're very you know, I think lucky. pound for pound, mm -hmm. uh, the Woody Allen stand-up years, mm -hmm. line for line. Mm-hmm. Best stand-up material ever written. For sure. I think. Yeah. This is these are this is a different animal. These are sketches. Mm -hmm. And these are some of the best sketches ever put to yeah. record. I wanna know I again I don't know how much they I do wanna know like what percentage of this we're hearing is 100% fresh, what they'd done the night before. I'm sure there's no record of it. I'm sure at this point they wouldn't care to talk about it. But I, I uh, would be well, curious I'll to tell know. you I'll tell you what. I'll I'll ask Carl mm -hmm. that very question. Okay. I never asked him. All right. I do know that they did it at parties. Yes, right. I never asked him, were you writing stuff down? Were you just remembering what worked? Right. Were you truly improving on the night of recording? Mm -hmm. That's highly doubtful. Right. I know. Comedians We've discussed remember, this a bunch on the show, so I don't know. Comedians tend to remember what works and, and put it in the back of their minds. For right? sure. Uh, you know, Robin Williams would claim not to... to, not to uh, consciously steal other comedians' material. Right. And if you ever had the chance to see him live, which mm -hmm. I did, like get up, getting up at a tiny club uh -huh. and jumping around and oh just yeah. seemingly spitball. Yeah. However, spitballing means mm -hmm. saying the first thing that comes in your head. Of course, of and course. And sometimes the first thing that comes in your head is a line you heard somewhere else. 100%. Purposely, not purposely. Mm-hmm. You're going a hundred miles an hour, yeah. And you're on a you're on a high wire with a spotlight on, right? And you're gonna say whatever works, <laughs> yeah. Right? No governor, no writers' room. Yes. So there's that. Yeah. Um, do you mind if I? We're gonna get back to this, That's but okay. since I did this research, yeah. Do you mind if I ask you just a little quick? Hey, why don't you tell me about such and such? Okay. Just because there's some things that popped up that I didn't expect to find. Fine. Again, mostly because I was like, how much acting did he do? Oh, all of it. Like I didn't know that how much of your past it was. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to me when somebody like if if 
honestly, like, so I, I, I got like a, a subscription to like a newspaper service and then I do a little bit of research on like Phil Rosenthal. Well, no, only look in New York this period and only look in LA this Hope period. Blah, 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 blah. Well, no, not yet. Okay. Oh, well, I'm not going to talk about it on the show. That's, that's what's important. But it's, it's interesting because you're, you're all over the, all over the place as an actor. And then when you go behind the scenes, you know, you go behind the scenes until you feel like coming out and talking. And it's, it's just interesting to me. So there are a few shows on that, that get listed here and there. There was something that was in development called Such a Match with Joan Rivers. Do you remember this and what the hell was it? I certainly wasn't an actor. On no, that. you were not. You wrote on it. I, I, I did. What we I, wrote a pilot. Yeah, 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 that's all. That's all it is. My okay. friend, my friend and I. There, there were several failed pilots that never saw the light of day. These are always curious. Though. When you, you know, when we first got to town in mm -hmm. 1989, we we wrote a lot, mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. You you wrote spec material. Mm -hmm. I remember the Joan Rivers thing. We met with her. We loved her. She was funny. Mm -hmm. And then nobody wanted it. Yeah. I know. I know it's not going to be a happened. huge story. But, yeah. I, you know, you're always curious if something something yeah. stood out in terms, don't drink the water. That's the first thing that shows up for you. Holy cow. I'm 15 years old and I'm playing the Jackie Gleason role in Don't Drink the That's Water. That's amazing. Yeah. There's a picture, too. By the way, because I could, because of Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner, because yeah. of Ralph... And Norton, because so of the people I was emulating, mm -hmm. my wheelhouse was not the normal wheelhouse of a 15-year-old boy. Right. I was already 70 years old mm -hmm. and totally got that humor. Yeah. So I always played the old man mm -hmm. in the school play. First of all, look at me. I'm not the leading man. <laughs> I'm a character actor. Uh -huh. That's all I ever wanted to be. Yeah. The funny one. Of course. So that was, uh, you know, I could... I could do that. I had a sneaking suspicion we had the uh, that in common that we've always <laughs> been old men. I, I just had it. I wish there's a better quality picture of it, but there's you. Holy cow! Yeah, there are pictures in a lot of these, Amazing. and it's great. I, I love being able to see these old things. Isn't that great? Yeah, it's a I delight. Okay, let's let's see. Let's wow. let's see. Well, hey, and I love that it's actually okay. What is this one? Verona. Oh well, I'm sure it's two gentlemen Verona. <laughs> just says Verona. An it was the, it was the it was the in, that was high school. I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. I played. Uh, Launce, who was the comic character, mm -hmm. I came on stage with a dog uh -huh. and did a monologue with a dog that that tore the house down because, not of me, okay. but there was this one moment that I'll never forget. and it, it, It's <laughs> it's something that it, it, what got ingrained at me at 16 years old. Uh -huh. I did this whole speech, Shakespearean. Uh -huh. The dog is sitting next to me. Mm -hmm. I do the speech. I look at the dog. The dog yawned. <laughs> That's beautiful. What I did well uh -huh. was hold. <laughs> and then just look at the audience. Like like I had seen on The Honeymooners. Like I had seen on your show of shows. Like I had seen Ugh. the great comedians do. But you have to have the dogs so that participates and even <laughs> creates the moment for you. Oh, that's it's so one of the, and so I, I'm so happy to that you found this stuff because it's such a happy memory mm -hmm. of... A moment on stage that you can't duplicate. Of course. Of course. Not in a hundred years, but it's that, you know, it's almost, I could almost blame that dog uh -huh. for ruining my life for years and years of struggle because mm -hmm. I'm chasing that moment. Of course. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I should point out that the name of the reviewer, do you, do you know the name? I'm going to say Bunny Crumpacker. 100%. Who would give That's me the review of my life the following year because there was a play that we did in our senior year. Mm-hmm. Let's see. And it was a musical mm -hmm. written, a Broadway musical written by Neil Simon yes. for Sid Caesar. After your show of shows, it was called Little Me, and Sid Caesar played seven roles. Mm -hmm. And because I was in love with... Sid Caesar with your show of shows uh -huh. because I was in love with Mel Brooks playing all those characters uh -huh. because I truly could do those characters. Yeah. They did that show for me in my senior year. Holy shit. That's amazing. And, and Bunny Crumpacker. She gave me a very good review. Well, as she should. I mean, <laughs> the, 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 oh, this and one, then you oh, chase that the rest of your life. I've got to find it because I feel like I, I must have seen that. 76. What year are we thinking? That would now? be 77. 77. So only 40 what is years this ago. One, then? Yeah, right. And look how I still wallow in the past. <laughs> oh, this one's from a good man, Charlie Brown. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. That was our senior yep. play mm -hmm. in the fall of that year. And then mm -hmm. the big spring musical would have been okay. the spring of 77. Okay. 
what am I looking at here? All I know what year, uh, here's what stood out to me. This yeah. again, it's another Bunny Crumpacker joint. That's important. Uh, the man who came to dinner. No. Hold on. I wasn't in that. I know you're not in that. It's something, <laughs> your, your name is in here somewhere. It's killing me. It's killing me because I know your name is in here somewhere. Well, uh, regardless, your name was on here. And what excited me was that there's also an ad for Mel Brooks' silent movie on the same, same page, which I thought was good. Why can't I find it? Well, that's a failure on my part. Who cares? All right. Little Me is the next one, right? Is that the, is that the one we were just that, talking about? The, the one I was yes. talking about, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's just, well, there's a picture. Probably the here. pinnacle of my acting career was when I was 17. There's a photo. And I was with the most beautiful girl mm-hmm. in the school, Jessica Goldstein, mm-hmm. who you know, because it was written, mm-hmm. had to be in love with me. Yes. Well, why would I ever leave acting? Yeah, of course. This was not happening in real life. <laughs> Here we go. This is Bunny Crumpacker's review. Seven-part performance shines in Little Me. Isn't that nice? I remember the last line. The last line. <clears throat> I was. Gonna, there's one more performance of Little Me tonight. I was just going to read oh, that. That's funny. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Maybe it's <laughs> the line right above that. It, it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess. Well, I'll read the, the line before that and set it up a little bit. About 500 people were in the audience Friday night. They all loved Phil Rosenthal. Come on. Come on. So now, Come on. how do you not say, well, I guess this is what I, I do of now? Of course. Of course. That's a drug. It's, it is. That is a drug. Terrible. And Bunny Crumpacker Maybe she needle. ruined my life. She, that dog and Bunny Crumpacker Bunk. ruined my life. Because you believe this when you're a of kid. Of course, 17. You believe it. If anybody had ever supported me at 17, No one had girls. I had girls. Girls were like knocking on the door. Hey. Yeah, of course. We like you. Yeah. So of course I'm doing this. Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> uh, oh, here's you and the odd couple. How, how quick is next year? So I'm 18. So I'm already an old man now. Yeah. And I'm I, playing I love Oscar. so much. Yeah. Is, your, is the other gentleman also your same age? You look yeah, like you're about sure. the same age. Yeah. That's amazing. All right. So one more. Yes. One or two more. Yes. I, here's, the one, here's the one that kind of blew me away. Is it Tony and Tina's wedding? This is yes. A, the premiere. This is like. This were friends of mine in college. Okay. Who started a, a comedy sketch troupe mm-hmm. that I was too afraid to be in. Okay. Until uh, they needed a priest for their off-Broadway production of Tony and Tina's Wedding, mm-hmm. and I co-wrote the show with them. In fact, I mm-hmm. had to write all my lines as the priest in, mm-hmm. in this show, and that became a hit. Yeah. It became a giant off-Broadway hit, and it's being done somewhere in the world. I'd like to stop your podcast now to complain uh-huh. <laughs> that I don't see a dime from this show. In fact, let's take the rest of our time so okay. I can complain yeah, about let's do that. this thing. Can we start, though, with... Is that a wig? Yes, a blonde wig. Yeah, I played a, a priest from Denver. Okay. This was not <laughs> exactly typecasting. <laughs> I love it so much. Actually, that is the final thing, because the next thing is legitimately just about... Uh, Raymond is about to premiere. This yeah. is, that's the other little <laughs> bit that I find. Yeah. I love it so much. And you... you uh, I spent five years in between there... Uh-huh. Uh, in Hollywood, writing mm-hmm. for other people's sitcoms. Sure. And Coach. I did sell a screenplay uh-huh. that same year that we wrote that, uh, since now I was a writer all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that a surprise to you, though? Did you yes. know you were a writer? No. No. I What I realized was we write everything. Yeah. Everything we say. Sure. Is we're writing right now. Mm-hmm. I just didn't realize that if if I literally physically wrote it down, it could be worth something. All right, that's reasonable. Yeah, you don't always catch it. I mean, you can, you can pretend. A lot of us try to rewrite our histories and pretend we have these noble beginnings as a writer. When it's just no, like, I have, oh shit, right? I had no idea. Yeah, a friend of mine came to me with a word processor in in 1988 mm-hmm. and said, "You're kind of funny, and I I'm a he's already a writer, mm-hmm. comedy writer. Mm-hmm. Let's write the screenplay." And I, I said, I don't know anything about a screenplay. And mm-hmm. he said, you don't have to. I know structure. Right. You just do characters and, and, and you know, be funny. Yeah. And so we did it together, mm-hmm. and we sold that screenplay. Holy shit. To HBO for, I, if I had $200 in the bank at this time, mm-hmm. we sold the screenplay in 1988 for $70,000. This was oh, now, yeah. I was a thousand air. Yeah, yeah. Right, and now I could go out for dinner. Yeah, and it was absolutely—it's life-changing. Yeah, it's like hitting the lottery. Right. So that was a very big deal, and then that—that was my path. Yeah, that's insane to me. I mean, I know there are a lot of stories like that, but yeah, to not know you're a writer, 
to, yes. to go to selling the yes. first thing you actually commit. Well, I'm going to give at least half the credit to my friend, Alan Kirschenbaum. As you should. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's reasonable. Uh, you you uh, you must have picked up Ray Romano's spirits after he didn't <laughs> do news radio. I just That's a big part of my life is news radio. I, it's my favorite show of all time. Yes. And I was watching Raymond at the same time, of course. But... Uh, it's just a weird part of history to me that just like he was almost... He was cast yeah. in news radio mm-hmm. two years before Raymond, maybe? Right. Was that right? Mm-hmm. Because I, I think they were shooting news radio the, in 94 originally. Yeah. After the table read of the pilot, mm-hmm. they fired him? Right. That's so weird to me. Uh, and I'm glad they did. Of course. Of course you are. Of yes. course you are. I have been thinking long and hard about how I do this, but I do want to do an April Fool's episode of our news radio podcast where it turns out he did get the part, mm-hmm. and like that's how we talk. That, that that's basically the only like that that yeah that Raymond never happened. So I'm sorry that in this alternate universe Raymond, Raymond didn't never happen, happened. But yeah. you know, unless you did, everybody loves Joe we, Rogan. We, instead of my house, we'd be doing this podcast from my car. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's a noble pursuit. <laughs> um, let's let's do this. Yeah. Uh, we've we uh, I want you to recommend the album. So let's say nobody knows. Uh, there's there's a chance there's some people who just don't even know who Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner are if you're young enough. So why listen to this album? Say you don't know them. Say you don't know them from their albums. You just know them from movies and TV. Do you enjoy laughing, people? It's good Maybe reason. that's that's a good <laughs> enough reason. <laughs> I think so. You want to hear something truly funny, timelessly funny? Mm-hmm. Listen to this. Yeah. Two guys in the zone at the top of their form, at the top of their careers. Yeah. Having fun, you I guarantee you will laugh. And it's the kind of joy that makes you want to do it yourself. Still, yes. still, yes. if I listen to it, I'm like, oh, yes. why am I not in a room with my best friend improvising right Absolutely now? Absolutely right. And it, I mean, it inspired, <clears throat> I think we talked about it a minute ago, uh, or before we started, is that Scott Ackerman was the last person to talk about this, yes. and his entire podcast is based on this format. So it's nine years of 2,000-year-old, just filthy versions of the 2,000-year-old oh, man. Funny. And it's and uh, you know he he does fully credit it as, as he should. Do you um, so that that's a good enough reason to listen to it. Have you ever? Oh, here's something. Have you ever appeared on or written part of or been in any way involved with a comedy album? Some people are and then forget. So that's why I have to ask. I don't think so. Okay, I'm open to it. All right. Okay. Good. I'm making a comedy album now. So uh, you're committing. Uh, <laughs> if I understand correctly, no. But uh, I've been on lots of podcasts. If yeah. anybody made an album of those podcasts, I'd sure. be on them. You're very good on podcasts. I'll give you that you. too. Um, I want to ask you about the Writers Guild Foundation. Love that, it. That this this episode is going to come out before my Writers Guild Foundation episode comes out. Mm-hmm. But I'd like you to talk about it. I wonder why it's important enough to you to support. Listen, uh, you know, this being Hollywood, mm-hmm. the writer is at the bottom rung, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so we need to protect each other and the foundation does this it also preserves the history of writing in hollywood and so i have donated to the foundation which is the physical library where everything Mm -hmm. is stored Mm -hmm. listen i want my work remembered of course selfishly even of course and the work of other people like mel brooks and carl reiner Mm -hmm. i want that preserved yeah and i want everybody's work preserved uh so that there's a history to relate back to yeah it's it's amazing the stuff that they have there. I mean, uh, for the script library alone, it's great. It's remarkable the stuff that's there. And I mean, some, I, and, her and to you young people out there, yeah. go yes. and check it out because you're going to learn something from mm. the people that came before us. The public no, can go there. I should make that yes, clear. Yes, like, none yeah. of us exist alone. Right. We all stand on the shoulders of those who came before us: Mel Brooks, Carl Reiner, Norman Lear. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the greats. Neil Simon. You want to read there work you want to read the great sitcoms and see how a script is put together yeah because that's job number one Mm -hmm. you can't make the show without the script absolutely true and if you want to be a sitcom writer uh, or any kind of writer look at the scripts yeah they have nice leather bound versions you can go and look at. It's like so comforting. And yes. Uh, one of the things she showed me, and this, I guess uh, we're going to talk about it in advance, but she showed me some of Mel Tolkien's collection, including folder after folder of every program from every episode of your show of shows. 
just right. every just in there in nice nice little binder and i got to look at every, now i don't know that everybody gets to see that i'm very special is what i'm saying uh but <laughs> you got to look at all these programs and just Wonderful. see who's hosting that night Wonderful. and who the fuck is it's just oh it's blew my mind yep. and that, that, that there's a resource there and some if you need to do research they're available for that they're very helpful people so i don't know it's it's a place that i'm going to be volunteering at soon and i just feel like good. people should know about it that it exists because it's good, good for you. It's a That's good great that you're doing that. It's exciting to me. It's, it's if I had a library science degree, it'd be the kind of place I'd work. Yeah. You know, but you have you have to be, you know you have to be committed to something that isn't making an ass of yourself. That's what I do mostly. That's all I do is the opposite. Hmm. That's fine. <laughs> Let's talk about somebody feed Phil. Oh yes, because I love it. It's, it's on a, Netflix. It's you're the only person I can watch uh, eat on television and not feel like I want to vomit. So thank you for that. Wow, I'm the only one. I think so. Wow. Maybe Anthony Bourdain. Fine. Anthony Bourdain, genius, brilliant, wonderful, fun, irreplaceable. Watch eat. Of course, Anthony Bourdain. Of course, superhero. But no, I will say nobody has a yummy face like Phil Rosenthal. It is it <laughs> is a thing that makes me enjoy the show so much. Like thank your you. sheer Joe, Joe, Joe. You're sheer Joe. I meant to say joy. Yes. But I misspoke. I am. There's no acting in that. Yeah. I am truly having the time of my life. Mm -hmm. I love doing it. I hope I never stop. It's it's a lot of fun to watch. So people should watch it. It's on Netflix. Thank you. Uh, and also they show that there's a precursor to it, which was? I'll have what Phil's had. Thank you. There we go. I forgot it for a second. And then your parents were a delight on that show as well. Um, do you have anything else to promote? You want anything else, anything else for people to know about at the moment? Nope. Nothing. Just the show. Just that. Just the show. How many things can people remember? <laughs> can we watch Raymond anywhere? Am I am I not TV thinking land, about it? It's on. Okay. Local stations. Okay. It's on. That makes sense. Thank goodness. Of course. It's yeah. on all over the world. I'm very lucky. Yeah. It's on in actually original languages now. Uh -huh. Like in, you know, I made a documentary about taking the show to Russia. So much fun. And there. turning it into Wait. Everybody Loves Kostya. Mm-hmm. That movie is called Exporting Raymond. You can find that. It's also great to watch. Uh. I guess that's everything. Okay. I have some home movies if you want to see. Okay, that's good. I do really want to hear the tape you don't want me to hear, though. I got to admit, the tape of you and your friend being Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks. Being idiots. Yeah. If you find it and you're comfortable digitizing it, all right. I just say, it's out there. I wonder where it is. I don't know. I'm hoping you find it. I've convinced other people to do more. I'm just saying. Yes. Just if you, I can be very persuasive. <laughs> that sounds like a threat. That was not a threat. <laughs> um, uh, well, thank you again for doing the show. Thank you. I really friend. appreciate it. Appreciate Everybody, it. go to go watch them. Go watch somebody feed Phil. Go to the Writers Guild Foundation. Uh, go to CelerySoundRecords.com. That's my little comedy record label. Go to LookingForwardMovie.com. That's hopefully going to be a movie before Election Day. Fingers crossed. We don't know. Um, and then that's about it. There's just one thing left to say, and that is, uh, have a good thing. <laughs>Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl. Or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15 plus years. <laughs>